somebody called me from a private number and of course I didn't answer. Mm-hmm. And then somebody texted me and it said, hi Paige, you busy? And I have no idea who it was. So I messaged back and I said, sorry, who is this? Literally a second after they sent me that message and they have not texted me back. So hmm. no clue. Uh, you want to know a good, good tool you can use to look that up? Hmm. If you go to Google and type in CNAM lookup, it's the first one at the top. It says Aperion. Mm. What's the number that uh, that texted you? Oh, let me look. Uh, 708. ENBB. No idea. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it, uh, it'll just say wireless caller. Um, mm, type in mine. I want to see what mine comes up as. 331. Oh, wait, full name. Krauss comment page. Yep, mine is, uh, is I think, Zach Domit. Hmm. Pops up. Scott's is no. No? He changed it to no. Can yep. you change it? Yeah, you can change it. you got to <gasps> contact your wireless provider. Probably do it online, maybe, depending on who your wireless provider is. Change it to fuck off. Yep. So when you call people and they have color ID enabled, it'll show that. That's essentially what that looks up is the oh, color okay. ID. Gotcha. Fuck off. Yep. Welcome to Beer and Fear. This is episode 25. That was... <laughs> Ewey. <laughs> My, My name, name is Zach. is Paige. Oh, yeah. And we're going to say everything <laughs> at the same, same time. time. This, this entire episode, episode, we're going to speak you know, in... No, no. We aren't we aren't in sync like that. <laughs> My name is Paige. Uh, episode twenty five is about the Loch Ness monster. Yes. I was gonna do this episode. This was gonna be the Mothman, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I found a beer that I really liked. And what ended up happening is, uh, well, first I looked it up on Binnie's, and the only store that had it said they had it. I called them; they were out of it. Hmm. So then I called the brewery that manufactures this beer, because it's in Chicago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I could just go to the brewery and get it. Uh, they said they are not making it. Uh, they will. They plan to bring it back in, into production soon. Mm. They just don't have an ETA. Oh. So we're going to table Mothman okay. uh, until I can get this beer. I'm excited to do Mothman, uh, but this is my backup, the Loch Ness Monster. I figured, mm. I don't know. Okay. And I managed to find a, a beer uh, on it, too, and we'll, we'll talk about our quest to get it. But um, yeah, how was your uh, your week since we've met last? Anything? Oh well, you <laughs> did you did have some quite a, quite a few things happen. It was a pretty eventful week. Started a new job since we met last. And quit that new job yep. after a day of training. Started and quit that new job because my direct manager uh, sexually harassed me. So that was cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was verbal. It was a verbal remark. It was disgusting. It wasn't anything physical. I would have kicked his ass if it was. Um, but it was a it was an unwarranted verbal remark mm. from a superior during her training. Uh huh. Day one. Uh huh. So we're still waiting to 
and figure out the outcome of that. Um, but uh, I don't think he's going to get fired. No. I don't. I hope he does. I doubt it. Yeah. It's the way this world works. Kind of shitty. Fucking stupid. Uh, besides like I was that, all excited, too. I, I know. Mm. I know. I was excited for you. You seemed to really uh, dig it. You were talking. Couldn't stop talking about it when you got uh, got off work that day. <sighs> it was a little, a little crummy. It is crumb bummy. Um, other than that, nothing really. Just time to look for a new job. Uh, a woman that I used to work with um, at my um, previous job, she hit me up and was like, hey, are you interested in a job? So she's going to uh, set up a day for me to come and check out the doggy daycare facility she runs. Cool. So I could get back into helping dogs, and I love dogs. Who doesn't love dogs? Weirdos. <clears throat> a lot of people, actually. Nice. What about you, bud? What about you? Um, I wrote some stuff down. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Let's see. I wrote down a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that. I like that you have to decipher your own notes. I wrote down page job. <laughs> so we talked Things about... Things that pertain to me. We covered that. Um, and then I wrote down upstairs neighbor. Oh. Because uh, I, I guess I wrote that down because I haven't really heard... Uh, much of my upstairs neighbor lately. I think it's because I'm just not home during the day. I'm at work mm-hmm. for most of the day when, when they're up. And they're probably working too. But I found out it's this guy and he's got a kid with him too that lives there and they just, they're uh, obnoxious. It's literally just one person and a, a kid? And I, I think there's like a All female every now and then. I don't know if it's a girlfriend or something, but yeah, it's and it's just like a bunch of family of T Rexes up there is what it sounds like. Um, and I they're loud as fuck. I wrote a, a little note and I left it for them uh, back in November, and they didn't listen to that. So then I contacted my apartment complex, and they said they were going to take care of it. So I guess I guess it's been fine. I haven't noticed it too much except for today, mm-hmm. uh, like just before we started recording. Well, that kid also wiped out. Yeah, the little kid wiped out. Ass little kid wiped hilarious. out twice in the water, unfortunately. Yeah, he's got like um, a puddle in the entryway because they don't have like carpet. They have like tile. Yeah. With no mat. No mat. There should, really should be a mat. There should be a mat. Um, but and they uh, also don't have like a wet floor sign or anything. So no, I nothing. really feel like they could sue. Yeah, that that is a, a liability concern. That kid wiped out twice. Yeah. He walked in okay, all excited. But he knew it was there the first time. He did. So and the he still second time, the... that's on you. <laughs> right. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. <laughs> Other or is it the that, other way around? It's the, I think it's, it's the, the other, other way around. Fool me once, team. shame on uh, you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Shame on yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes me think of the George Bush thing. Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> Fool me twice. You can't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me twice. Can't get fooled again. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, the, the, the little uh, trip we had. Today. We had an escapade. Yeah. An it, adventure. It didn't quite go as we planned. A quest. Um, but that um, I drove. 40 yeah, forty minutes. To, I felt really bad because okay, so we'll get into the beer too because it kind of ties in. So uh, the beer we picked today for Loch Ness Monster is called Loch Effect, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm, couldn't mm-hmm, think of a mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. perfect name. It's like Lake Effect. Uh, like the brewery. Yeah, that brews it. Well, also called Lake Effect. There's a Lake Effect that actually happened. Yeah, the the meteorological phenomena, Lake Effect. Uh, is the name of the brewing company, and they brewed a beer called Lock Effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, they mm-hmm. are at 4727 West Montrose Avenue, Unit C, 
in Chicago, Illinois, 60641, which, as we found out, is right down the street from Old Irving Brewing. Yeah, Zach surprised me So with us walking into the building. <laughs> walking in and walking right out. So I didn't uh, tell Paige that we were going to go to Old Irving. We were going to pick up the beer at Lake Effect Brewing uh, directly. Oh, uh, Old Irving brewery. is the uh, brewery that did uh, um, Beezer. Beezer, yep, from a few weeks ago. And uh, we were going to go to Lake Effect and pick up the beer directly mm-hmm. from the brewery. Uh, but I did not tell Paige that we were going to go to Old Irving, which is right down the street. Um and we were going to go maybe enjoy a beer, get some dinner or late lunch or whatever you want to call it. Just have some food before we come back home and record. Uh, we went to Lake Effect. Um, kind of uh, a hole in the wall kind of deal. Um, very, it's tiny. Very, yeah, very thin alleyway. You drive up and uh, there's hardly any parking because it's snowing. There's and no parking. Yeah, there's a lot of crap in the way. Uh, but we walked in, and they got a cooler with a bunch of their beer right there. They got, you know, one of those square things so they can do, you know, quick, easy transactions. But it looked like it was in the middle of the actual, like, I could walk five feet and touch one of their big, one of their, whatever their beer things are. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the beer things. The you beer know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> the big tanker things. Yeah, you're nailing this. Those beer things, you know, they're made of metal uh, that hold beer. I could have walked and, and touched one. So everything was very close, close together. Um, we didn't like talk and, you know, hang out or anything like that. Cause, uh, we're both very antisocial and, um, uh, we just, and that's something we do. So we, wa- we walked in, we paid for the beer and we walked out and then, um, we went to old Irving and Which, that was a process. walked in and sat down at the bar and <laughs> the guy was like, Oh, you you might want to check in with the, the host. You know, I, I didn't want anything to happen like you sit down and start ordering and then you have to leave so we walked up i'm like oh i'm sorry i thought it was open seating he's like no we're actually doing reservations we're pretty busy today um i said i didn't make let me just say real quick the host (laughs) yeah page page liked him um and they were booked the entire day so unfortunately we could not sit down and enjoy a beer and some food at old irving um but we will at some point hopefully it seems like a really cool brew pub. They they said they're always packed Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're they're really busy, um, usually booked all day. So we'll have to go back maybe on a weekday um, or another day that we're off and do that because it, it does look really cool. If you look them up on, on Google Maps, the place looks awesome. Mm-hmm. The food looks great, and their beer's good. So, but uh, Would it be creepy if I, like, Facebook stalked them and tried to get the host's number? Tried, um, yeah, that'd be creepy. That'd be creepy. Yeah, and we we could just go back and you can meet him again yes. and just ask it, ask oh him God, for yes. it in person. You're so right. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Another reason we got to go back. So oh, love. As far as Lake Effect Brewing Company goes, lay it on me. Uh, there's not a whole lot about this brewery. Not even an about page on their website. It is very tiny. Yep. Very. Uh, like I said, very hole in the wall ish. Um, well, it's it, down an alley. It is down an alley and just a random door with some... Uh, kind of like, like a bunch of signs yeah. on like each side of the alley. That's just, just like Lake Effect Breweries yeah. Keep down going this way. way. Go straight. This door. And you just walk in this door and it looks like you walked into like a, a factory or something. But it's the brewery. It's, you know, I dig it. Uh, not a whole lot on their website. Not even an about page. What is on their website is a link to help restore the Jefferson Park Firehouse. Oh, interesting. Uh, which I guess is very historic, and the uh, brewery teamed up with this real estate company, and they're trying to restore it because hmm. there's a lot of history there. A link to join the 2021 Barrel Club, okay. which you'll receive uh, beer each month. Oh, I saw their little sign that they had. Yeah, yeah, 20, yeah Barrel Club. Yeah, yeah. Inside, we saw that sign. Um, 
and then a way to join their VIP email list, their contact information, and a way to view and order their beer online. Their Facebook About page says, quote, we are a small production brewery with a bottle shop for carryout purchases. Mm-hmm. Like Effect Brewing Company LLC was established in January 2011. Okay. Quote. And they're still that tiny. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep, January 2011. Their Twitter says, brewing great beer on the northwest side. They have a, uh, I thought this was cool, I was looking at their beer online, they have mm-hmm. a Goza lineup Ooh. where they take the same base beer and age it in several different barrels to see how the wood and the spirit of each barrel influences the base. Mm-hmm. They included Malort, Port, Gin, Tequila, Rum, Madeira, uh, Pomo, uh, which I had to look up, It's I think it's French, it's um, apple brandy mixed with apple juice. Okay, that's interesting. And Cabernet. So they have uh, these, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different beers. And it's all the same base beer, but they mm-hmm. aged it in those different barrels, those uh, liquor barrels, um, to give it a different taste. Uh, fun fact, they collaborated with uh, Superdog, which is a drive-in hot dog stand with car hop service. They created Super Beer, a German-style Kölsch. Uh, founded by Clint Bouts, Facebook at Lake Effect Brewing Co. Twitter is at Lake Effect underscore LLC. And their Instagram is at Lake Effect Brewing. I feel like they should all be the same thing. Uh, might be easier for people to locate them online. But hey, that's, that's just me. Uh, the description of this beer is a, it says, A big barley wine meets the flavors of Scotland. Peaty, smoky, delicious. Hmm. That's it. So this beer as the description would suggest, is a barley wine. Uh, We've drank a barley wine before uh, on the Bigfoot episode, the bonus episode. So we've never had it. Oh, I didn't like that. We've never had it. It's going to be interesting. We've never had uh, a barley wine on a main episode before. Uh, We did talk about barley wine ale on the bonus episode, so I'll uh, summarize a little bit. It's a strong ale, uh, usually between 6 to 12 ABV. Uh, mm-hmm. With a with uh, the word wine referring to the alcohol strength that's similar to that of wine. Mm. Usually seasonal, um, autumn and winter. There's two styles, American and English. Uh, this one that we're trying is an English or British style barley wine. And I looked up on craft beer uh, a description of that uh, British style. So uh, craft beer has this to say about British style barley wines. The name British style barley wine represents a group of strong ales that rival the strength and complexity of some of the world's most celebrated beverages. This brawny malt forward beer style is often one of the strongest beer styles on any given beer menu and showcases a complex melange of toffee and fruit flavors counterbalanced by warming alcohol and sturdy hop bitterness. The barley wine beer style is a sipper enjoyed responsibly, stylishly, preferably in front of a fire, in a comfy chair amongst a plethora of leather-bound books. Now that is some aesthetic right there. (laughs) That just feels like something that you, like, that's your aesthetic. 100%. Right there. Yeah. Like, that is your aesthetic. I need some leather-bound books. Mm -hmm. I need a fire. Give me a very a low lighting, so le- just the fire. Exactly. Maybe a candle in the background yep. so you can read a little bit a better. Pipe and a monocle. You'd have like <laughs> monogram. Just an unnecessary monocle. Yeah. I don't need this monocle Monogrammed at all for robe and socks. Your smoking jacket. Yeah, my smoking jacket. Your wife, Agatha. <laughs> Agatha, bring me my tome. 
It shall read to the children. But the children died of croup. Husband. Husband. <laughs> husband doesn't have a name. No. Agatha and husband. She's not allowed to refer to you by your first oh, name. Not in this household. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, barley wine is a strong ale that leans heavily on malt characteristics for flavor. With a wide color range and characteristically high in alcohol content, this is a style that is often aged as it evolves well over time. As barley wine beers advance in age, they develop oxidative characteristics, including honey and toffee flavors, as well as aromas, darker colors, lessened bitterness, and more. This is going to be a thick beer. I can already tell. Um, Maybe not thick like... Uh, one of the um, bonus beers that we recently had. But um, uh, it says it's good to enjoy with Moroccan duck, English Stilton cheese, and dark chocolate. This is so your aesthetic, it hurts. Yeah, all those things sound great. I have dark chocolate. You want to sip it with some dark chocolate? I gotta do. We should right, try we'll it. Try we never it. get to pair it with food. We don't. This is 13% ABV, 15 IBU, so it shouldn't be too bitter. It's, again, malt forward. Mm-hmm. It's available in the fall. Uh, Appearance is deep amber. Um, it uses Belgian Pilsner and Caramel Malts, Hollertau Blanc Hops, Blanc, aged in Islay Scott uh, barrels, or is it Islay? Islay? I-S-L-A-Y. Islay? Islay? Scotch barrels. Uh, there is a no score on Beer Advocate. No rankings. Why do we keep picking beers with no I reviews? I don't know. This is like the fourth one we've done. Maybe we should just get rid of it. It has an average rating of 2.79. It's been reviewed twice. Only twice. Uh, once. Wait. It, oh, on Beer Advocate it was reviewed? Average, okay, it just yeah. doesn't have anything. Okay. Yeah. So no score and no rankings. Got you. Because it doesn't have a score. But it does have an average rating, user rating, of 2.79. Out of two people. Out of five. Yeah, oh, two out people. of five people. No, uh, two people, 2.79 out of five. Oh, okay. It's been reviewed twice. Once at 4.27 out of five and once at 1.3 out of five. Wow, that <laughs> so, is... The 1.3 guy did not like not it. A, not a fan. Not a fan. 4.27 really guy. Really dragged it down. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but let's give it a shot. Uh, it may not be one of our favorites, but I'm excited to try it. I'm always eager to support tiny breweries. Hell yeah. What are you messaging me, Michael? I want to let it warm a little bit. Just a, just a, just a smidge. What is, uh, certainly saying? Uh, he said without me. So I told him to go on voice chat so I could put him on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, we got a follower. I'm going to shout out these guys. Hey. Uh, Luxa Strata. Um, Lux Occult Pod followed us on Instagram, and they liked our last post uh, from Party Gator. Lux Occult Pod. Uh, their Instagram says, A podcast exploring the intersections of magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C-K, art, science, and philosophy. Interesting. Occultism for everyone. And they have a link, anchor.fm slash Luxa dash strata. I'm shouting people out. Oh, they followed us and they they liked their stuff. It looks like a lot of their pictures are their logo in uh, different lightings and maybe filters. There seems to be what looks like food. That is an egg. Uh, there's an egg that was drawn on it with Sharpie. Mm. Uh, here's another. Ooh, that's, that's a cool looking egg. We're just Instagram stalking them now. They got... What is... That looks amazing. What is that? Looks like a Pokeball. Some seaweed. Oh, that looks so good. Will you stop? I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my God. I have not eaten today. And we did get a... Um... Hey. Hey. <laughs> wow, about time. What? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. You want to be on the podcast or not? Oh, gosh. Um, sure. You're on it right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what am I? We're recording oh, right no. now. Oh, no. Oh, okay, great. Oh, gosh. Does this mean what? I say the most vile words I can think of? <clears throat> if you do that, I will hang up on you. We did get another follower. I'm trying to find so you it. You just said you got another follower? Congratulations. Yeah. BB Bubberino. It's a cat. Oh. Beeb the cat. On what? Twitter? Beeb, on uh, Instagram. Instagram. Instagram? Yeah, so Beeb the cat is now following us. BB.Bubberino. The, the Gram? The Grams. The, 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 what? Eh. Are you okay? Are you having a stroke? What's going on over there? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, <clears throat> Are you going to play World of Warcraft with us tonight? I don't know how this is. No, I got a raid tonight. I got to pull that huge damage. I got to put my wiener in both of my hands and hit people with it. Nice. Sounds about right. That's how you play? I've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> Me too. I don't have a wiener to smack Your anybody wiener, with. Well, you get a free pass, but him, on the other hand, I don't know if it'll fit in both hands. I hung up on him. Uh, you did? Yeah, it's inappropriate. <laughs> it's inappropriate. <laughs> I'm probably not going to include any of that. Don't. I just told him he's mean. <laughs> he dips out on me all the time in voice chat, so fuck him. These are some big bottles. Are you sure I should have... What if I hate it? Um. Shouldn't we share? Just to be safe? Why? Because it'd be a waste. Odds are you're going to like it. Odds are that I may or may not like it. So it's probably better if I try yours and then open it if I like it. All right. I'll, I just think it's wasteful. Okay. These are $15 That's a, what I'm a bottle. That's saying. It just seems wasteful. Um, these are large bottles. They're 16.9 ounces, so they're Huge. larger than a pint. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I guess we can split it, and then I'll age the other one just like I did Bigfoot. There you go. Because that's also the I feel one. like you just like pour a little bit in my glass, yeah. and I can try it. No, and if I hate it. it, I hate it. Um, why has everything got to be an argument with you? <laughs> you do the honors because uh, I gave you Scott's uh, bottle opener. Um, I want to quickly read this. So it says, this is more of a description on the bottle than there was on the website. Uh, a big barley wine meets the flavors of Scotland. Flavors of peat, citrus, sea spray, and caramel. Sea spray makes me nervous. Meld into the base barley wine. A slight smoky finish lingers along with caramel and the coast of Scotland. That's, the, that's a taste. Coast of Scotland. Scotland should be capitalized here. Uh, when not. you say coast, I think seashells, dirty sand, yum, jellyfish, Delicious. and loose band-aids. Yes. That's what I think. Land, sea, and spirit meet in this unique strong ale. Okay, the last time we had something that was like water-themed, I hated it. Sip in a snifter. We don't have a snifter. We don't have a snifter. Um, I need to uh, get my shit together. You have like... A huge fucking thing. I do have a huge uh, bar over there, but yeah. I need glassware is the one thing I still need. So I, I need, need some snifters for beer like this. We're going to drink it out of a pint glass. I need literally anything glass. Sea. <laughs> uh, there should be a comma after C because land, sea, and spirit. You know, what, what was that Oxford comma? Give me this. Give me the bottle. Well done. Thanks. All right, I'm going to sniff it. Please don't spill. That is interesting. 
Okay, that's enough. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. What if you like it, though? Then you can pour me more. What if I hate it? I don't want to waste the beer. Uh, it's uh, very dark and dimly lit in here, as it usually is. But this beer is extremely dark. It's not pitch black. No, it's amber, like they were saying. Very, Actually, very honestly, dark. it's a little bit darker yeah. than amber. Um, kind of a cross between motor oil and amber. <laughs> it's pretty dark. SRM is at least 40, you know. It smells very strongly, but also... It kind of smells like, you know, you go into like a grocery aisle and you go into like the bread aisle. It smells like <laughs> yeah, the bread aisle. It smells like bread. Um, there's no head, hardly any head on this beer. No, nothing. It uh, doesn't seem very carbonated. Well, you um, held up the light to it. It seemed like it was kind of bubbly. Oh, yeah. You can't really see it anything with, the, with how dark it is. But yeah. As you put oh, the yeah. light on it, it's much more carbonated yeah. than you would think. We've had more carbonated beers, but. <clears throat> it's. um. I, I wish know. I could show them how much I'm drinking right now. <laughs> I have like a quarter. <laughs> yeah, like not even half of the pint glass is full. Nope. But I don't know, we'll see. Um, the smell is very thick. You know, it smells like uh, kvass. I don't know if you probably never had kvass. But um, uh, Yatsik brought in kvass one time for me. He bought it at some, I don't know, Lithuanian or Polish grocery store. They had kvass. Um, it's It's... Uh, a bready fermented mm-hmm. uh, uh, carbonated drink. So this smells very heavily of bread, um, and uh, but there's like this sweet undertone to it. It is sweet. Yeah, it's like very sweet. I'm nervous. All right, let's try it. <laughs> that is interesting. Hmm. I actually don't hate it. I don't mind it. I don't think I'd get like... Multiple bottles, but it's very easy to drink. It is not bitter. It's not. It It doesn't taste bubbly at all. Uh, there's no tingle, you know, anywhere. So it's not. It seems flat. Yeah. Right. right? There's not, yeah, very, that, yeah. not very much carbonation. With how many bubbles were in there, you would have thought there'd be a little bit more. But it is not very carbonated. But I also don't think that the Bigfoot one that we drank was very carbonated either. I don't know how to feel about this one. I actually don't mind it. You want some more? No, I'm good. I haven't eaten anything today. Let me take another sip and I'll try and get a description. Okay, so not carbonated at all. Kind of flat. Very smooth on the tongue, though. There is no bitterness. Um, Very, very sweet, uh, but not like painfully sweet like the the dessert-based beers that we have tried in the bonus episodes that we've done. Um, Malty. mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the sea spray or whatever they said on the bottle <clears throat> flavors of peat i don't know what that is uh it said citrus too um i maybe i thought peat was like a type of grass peat is a brown deposit resembling soil formed by the partial decomposition of vegetable matter in the wet acidic conditions of bogs and fens and often cut out and dried that. for use as fuel and in gardening i could see that huh peat interesting because there's peat moss Oh, uh, citrus, sea spray, and caramel. Maybe caramel. I taste the caramel in the swallow. Citrus, it's there. I can feel that. It smells peat-like. It smells like bread. Absolute. I kind of, I kind of get a little teriyaki. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, just like a uh, like a saltiness of like soy sauce yeah. almost. It's got a soy sauce smell to it. That's yeah. what I'm saying, right? But it's also like if you were to take a, a piece of white bread 
and just hold it up to your nose. Now I really, really, really want sushi. Um, it's very easy to drink. Yeah, I I get the the whole. Um, Honestly, texture wise, very similar to flat Pepsi. Yeah. There's no, there's hardly any carbonation at all with this, but, um, I get the whole, uh, uh, campfire or, um, fireplace aesthetic, you know. Oh, dark chocolate. Bundled up. Oh, fuck dark chocolate. I'm not fuck dark chocolate. (laughs) I think it was a good decision to not open both beers. Yes. Uh, I mean, finishing both of these, I don't know, but, um, it's a lot of beer. But I, I get that aesthetic. Uh, it seems like a beer, you know, like a comfort beer, kind of like, um, what was it? Scarlet? Was it Scarlet Fire? You called Scarlet Fire a comfort yeah, beer. A comfy, comfy beer. A comfy beer. Um, that I can see working well on that sort. Of, so I, I get it. I get what they were, you know, putting down. Let's see how these taste. We're gonna try dark chocolate with it because they recommend dark chocolate, and I'm curious. It's got almonds in it. I don't know how much the almonds are gonna um, detract no. from that. I'm not too <laughs> worried about that. <laughs> This is the first food I've put in my body today. That's horrible. <laughs> That's awful. The chocolate adds a little something to it. Mm. Chocolate. Yeah. You know you're supposed to drink them together, right? Or just continue to do whatever you're doing. I'm sorry, what? I'm just eating chocolate. Right, I see that. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it works well with that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't explain how, mm-hmm. but they the flavors are complementary. Very much so. <laughs> um. A de- uh, decent beer. Uh, it's not a, definitely not a favorite of mine, but it's um, it's good. It's got its place, you know. I think it's brewed well. I wouldn't get it at a restaurant. I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't drink multiples of these. There's a there's a time and a place for this beer. Mm. Uh, I think it would go well with duck. I want some duck now. <laughs> duck sounds fantastic. I'm just hungry. We're gonna rate this right quick. Mm. Take it away. Tell us all there is to know about the Loch Ness Monster as we drink the Loch Effect. By Lake Effect Brewing. (laughs) The Loch Ness Monster or Nessie is a cryptid, which I love, in cryptozoology. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm not going to try to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt just this one time. <laughs> I interrupt you all the time. <sighs> I told Steph that I finally realized that the Loch Ness Monster was called Nessie mm-hmm. because it lived in Loch Ness. Yeah. I just thought it was a random name that someone came oh, up with. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I didn't make that connection ever. Oof. I'm an idiot. Continue. Oh, my a little slow on the uptake there. Uh, a cryptid in cryptozoology and Scottish folklore that is said to inhabit Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. It is often described as large, long-necked, same, and with one or more humps also same, protruding from the water. Popular interest and belief in the creature have varied since it was brought to the world-wide uh, attention in 1933. Evidence of its existence is anecdotal. Mm. With a number of disputed photographs and sonar readings, which you'll always think about the classic picture, black and white, super grainy picture of like the little... Uh, the surgeon's photograph. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is now known to be a hoax. Mm-hmm. 
Which, honestly, I'd either say that that was somebody literally just sticking their arm up out of the water doing this, <laughs> or, like, a piece of tree. Because it, it looked like, it, like if that was going to be a head, it looked way too small to I be agree. I agree, especially for something that's compared to a plesiosaurus. Yeah. Uh, the scientific community regards the Loch Ness Monster as a phenomena, phenomena, without biological basis, explaining sightings as hoaxes, wishful thinking, and the misidentification of mundane objects. Band name. Uh, misidentification of mundane objects? Yes, band name. <laughs> <laughs> The first modern discussion of a sighting of a strange creature in the loch may have been in the 1870s when D. McKenzie claimed to have seen something wriggling and churning up the water. Hmm. This account was not published until 1934, however. Research indicates that several newspapers did publish items about a creature in the loch well before 1934, though. The best-known article that first attracted a great deal of attention about a creature was published on the 2nd of May, 1933, in uh, Irvines Courier about a large beast or whale-like fish. The article by Alex Campbell, Water Bailiff for Loch Ness and Part-Time Journals. A water bailiff. A water bailiff. What a job. What a title. What a man. Uh, it's a law enforcement officer responsible for the policing of bodies of water, such as rivers, lakes, or coasts. I want to be one of those. You can be. A water bailiff? You, too, can be a water bailiff. Just answer <laughs> this ad. Sign up now. <laughs> Discussed a sighting by um, Aldi McKay. McKay? Aldi McKay? Mac McKay. McKay. How do you say it with Scottish? McKay. McKay. <laughs> That doesn't sound right. McKay. Don't put that in there. <laughs> if anyone listens in Scotland, they'll be so mad at us. Well, we talked about Faherty. Faherty. Uh, by Aldi, of an enormous creature with the body of a whale rolling in the water in the lock while she and her husband, oh, it's a lady, John, were driving on the A82 on the 15th of April, 1933. Mm. The word monster monster doing air quotes yes every time i do that i think of uh, austin powers <laughs> yeah the laser <laughs> was reportedly uh, applied for the first time in campbell's article although some reports claim that it was coined by editor evan Barron. the courier in 2017 published excerpts from the campbell article which had been titled strange spectacle in loch ness uh, and this is what the uh, excerpt was. The creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for fully a minute, its body resembling that of a whale, and the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing, for they realized that here was no ordinary denizen of the depths, because apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. Mm. According to a 2013 article, McKay said that she had yelled, Stop the beast! when viewing the spectacle. In the late 1980s, a naturalist interviewed um, Aldi McKay, 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 and she admitted to knowing that there had been an oral tradition of a beast in the lock well before her claimed sighting. Alex Campbell's 1933 article also stated that Loch Ness has for generations been credited with being the home of a fearsome looking monster. On the 4th of August, 1933, the Courier published a report of another alleged sighting. This one was claimed by Londoner George Spicer, the head of a firm of tailors. Several weeks earlier, while they were driving around the lock, he and his wife saw the nearest 
approach to a dragon or prehistoric animal that I have ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, trundling across the road toward the lock with an animal in its mouth. Trundling, you say. <laughs> that's, how, that's how one trundles. <laughs> he described it as having a long neck which moved up and down in the manner of a scenic railway. He said the body was fairly big with a high back, but if there were any feet, they must have been of the web kind. Uh, and as for a tail, I cannot say as it moved so rapidly. And when we got to the spot, it had probably disappeared into the lock. Oh, wow. This makes me think of uh, Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster. Did you watch that as a kid? I don't know if I saw that. Oh, my God. I fucking loved that. <laughs> Letters began appearing in the Courier, often anonymously, claiming land or water sightings by the writer, their family or acquaintances, or remembered stories. The accounts reached the media, which described a monster fish, sea serpent, or dragon, and eventually settled on Loch Ness Monster. Hmm. Over the years, various hoaxes were also perpetrated, usually proven by photographs that were later debunked. We're going to go into the history. St. Columba. Five six five. The earliest report of a monster in the vicinity of Loch Ness appears in the Life of Saint Columba, by um, I don't even want to try and pronounce this name, and I feel so bad. We need to like look these up. That's what we need to do. <laughs> we need to start actually looking up the pronunciations yeah. of these. I was doing that for a while. And like respectable stopped. human beings. Exactly. Oh my God! Written in the sixth century A.D. According to the author, it's it's uh, Adamnan, Adamnan, Adamnan. A-D-O-M-N-A-N. But the A has a little accent over it. Oh, gosh. Uh, writing about a century after the events described, Irish monk St. Columba was staying in the land of the Picts with his companions when he encountered local residents burying a man by the River Ness. They explained that the man was swimming in the river when he was attacked by a water beast that mauled him and dragged him underwater. They had tried to rescue him on a boat, but he was killed. Columba sent a follower... This Linguine, uh, Linguine, Linguine, Linguini? No. Oh. Uh, Moku Min. I'm just going to say Min. To swim across the river. The beast approached him, but Columba made the sign of the cross and said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. Be gone, beast. The creature stopped at his, as if it had been pulled back with ropes and fled. And Columba's men and the picks gave thanks for what they perceived as a miracle. Hmm. Which... I don't know what the picks are, so I'm going to look at that real quick. And I'm sorry, what year was this? Oh, it's Pets. 565 AD. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Celtic-speaking people who lived in what was today, uh, what is today Eastern and Northern Scotland. Hmm. Interesting. The first century. Where was I? Nope. Um, wait, the... Yeah. For no. someone who doesn't like the beer, you finished it pretty quickly. This, that was the... The 6th century, right? Believers in the monster point to this story, set in the river nest rather than the lock itself, as evidence for the creature's existence as early as the 6th century. I was right. <laughs> Skeptics question the narrative's reliability, noting that water beast stories were extremely common in medieval um, hagiographies. Hagiographies. Oh, those hagiographies. Got it. <laughs> and the tale probably recycles a common motif attached to a local uh, landmark. According to skeptics, the story may be independent of the modern Loch Ness Monster legend and became to attach to it by believers seeking to bolster their claims. 
Ronald Binns considered that this is the most serious of various alleged sightings, early sightings, mm-hmm. of the monster. But all the claimed sightings before 33 are dubious and, not, and do not prove a monster tradition before that date. Christopher Kearney uses, Kearney. A, speci- Kearney <laughs> uses a specific uh, historical and cultural analysis of Adamnan to separate uh, Adamnan's story about St. Columba from the modern myth of the Loch Ness Monster, but finds an earlier and culturally significant use of Celtic water beast folklore along the way. In doing so, he also discredits any strong connection between Kelpies or water horses and the modern media augmented creation of the Loch Ness Monster. Do you know what a Kelpie is? I think you've talked about them before, but I have. Kelpies are like the fae. They're like horse f- spirits that live mm-hmm. in like swamps, bodies of water. Hmm. Um, and depending on what you're reading, they can either be um, geared towards good, which mm-hmm. is a relative term because when it comes to the fae, good and bad isn't a thing because good and bad is a concept of humans, right? Rather than fae. Mm-hmm. Or they can be more mischievous and like drown people. Should we add those to our list? Uh, they're interesting. I don't know if there'd be a lot of stuff on them, but we mm. could. Hmm. Uh, he also concludes that the story of St. Columba may have been impacted by earlier Irish myths about the... Uh, the <sighs> That's just another monster, another sea serpent. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know. It's like a worm. It's like a sea worm. Okay. Gaelic and Celtic are hard to pronounce. Yes, they are. Really, anything besides English is hard to pronounce <sighs> so for me. Difficult. You speak German. Yeah, not very well. Yeah, you speak it. Uh, D. Mackenzie. In October of 1871 or 1872, D. Mackenzie of Balnain, Balnain, reportedly saw an object resembling a log or an upturned boat wriggling and turning up the water, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the object moved slowly at first, disappearing at a faster speed. Uh, Mackenzie sent his story in a letter to Rupert Gould in 34, shortly after popular interest in the monster increased. Mm. Alexander MacDonald in 1888, he's a mason, Cited a large, stubby-legged animal, which rude, servicing from the lock and propelling itself within 50 yards of the shore where MacDonald stood. MacDonald reported his sighting to Loch Ness water bailiff, Alex Campbell. Nice. And described the creature as looking like a salamander. Hmm. Yeah. These are very wide descriptions. Uh, modern interest in the monster was sparked by sighting a sighting on the 22nd of July in 33 when George Spicer and his wife saw a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car. Cross they the just, road? Yes, cross the road in front of their car. I talked a little bit about it. And they said it walked by with an animal in its mouth. The star of this creature is having a large body about four feet high and 25 feet long and a long, wavy, narrow neck slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk and as long as the 10 to 12 foot uh, width of the road. They saw no limbs. It lurched across the road toward the lock 20 yards away, leaving a trail of broken undergrowth in its wake. It has been claimed that sightings of the monster increased after a road was built along the lock in early 1933, bringing workers and tourists to the formerly isolated area. However, Vince has described this as the myth of the lonely lock, as it was far from isolated before then due to the construction of the uh, Caledonian Canal. In the 1930s, the existing road by the side of the lock was given a serious upgrade. Just possibly this work could have contributed to the legend since there could have been tar barrels floating in the lock. 
Mm. Uh, Hugh Gray's photograph taken near Foyers on the 12th of November of 33 was the first photograph alleged to depict the monster. It was slightly blurred, and it had been noted that if one looks closely, the head of a dog can be seen. Gray had taken his Labrador for a walk that day. Was it his Labrador that he took a picture of? It is suspected that the photograph depicts his dog fetching a stick from the lock. Others have suggested that the photograph depicts an otter or a swan. The original negative was lost, conveniently. However, in 63, Maurice Burton came into possession of two lantern slides, contact positives from the original negative. Mm Mm-hmm. And when projected onto a screen, they revealed an otter rolling at the surface in characteristic fashion. Nice. Silly. As otters do. Uh, Hugh Gray took a photograph. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) I did him already. (laughs) It's Arthur Grant. On the 5th of January, 1934, a motorcyclist, Arthur Grant, claimed to have nearly hit the creature while approaching a a a bit... Understood. Yep. <laughs> it's a town. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird name for a town. It's uh, A-B-R-I-A and then C-H-A-M. Ab- Abricam? I can promise you it's probably pronounced like much more like heavily. Habricam? Habricam? Something like that. <laughs> uh, near the northeastern end of the lock at about 1 a.m. on the moonlit night. According to Grant, it had a small head attached to a long neck. The creature saw him and crossed the road back to the lock. Grant, a veterinarian student, described it as a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur. Because <laughs> as a veterinary student, you need to know about dinosaurs. Right. Those are still a thing. They're very he, relevant. He said he dismounted and followed it to the lock, but only saw ripples. Grant produced a sketch of the creature that was examined by zoologist Maurice Burton, who stated it was a consistent it was consistent with the appearance and behavior of an otter. Regarding the long size of the creature reported by Grant, it has been suggested that this was a faulty observation due to the poor light conditions. Paleontologist Darren Na- uh, Naish has suggested that Grant may have seen either an otter or a seal and exaggerating his sighting over time. Come on, Grant. What are you doing? The surgeon's photograph, which is the most known picture, supposedly, of Nessie. The surgeon's photograph is reportedly the first photo of the creature's head and neck, supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, a London gynecologist. Which, would that really make you a surgeon? It was published in the Daily Mail on the 21st of April, 1934. Wilson's refusal to have his name associated with it led it to to being known as the surgeon's photograph. According to Wilson, he was looking at the lock when he saw the monster, grabbed his camera, and snapped four photos. Only two exposures came out clearly. The first reportedly shows a small head and back, and the second shows a similar head in a diving position. The first photo became well-known, and the second attracted little publicity because of its blurriness. Hmm. For 60 years, the photo was considered evidence of the monster's existence, although skeptics uh, dismissed it as driftwood. An elephant, which, okay. In In the water. In Scotland. An otter or a bird. The photo's scale was controversial. It is often shown cropped, making the creature seem large and the ripples like waves, while the uncropped shot shows the other end of the lock and the monster in the center. The ripples in the photo were found to fit the size and pattern of the small ripples rather than large waves photographed up close. Analysis of the original image fostered further doubt. In 1993, the makers of the Discovery Communications documentary Loch Ness Discovered analyzed the uncropped image and found a white object visible in every version of the photo, hmm. implying that it was on the negative. 
It was believed to be the cause of the ripples, and as if the object was being towed, although the possibility of a blemish on the negative could not be ruled out. An analysis of the full photograph indicated that the object was small, about two to three feet long. Right. Yeah, based on the size of the head, mm-hmm. it doesn't look very big. I actually looked up, uh, there's a photo here that I think um, explains what it actually was. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> that's what it is. So that's that's what it was. Since 94, most agree that the photo was an elaborate hoax. It has been described as a fake in December of the of the 7th of December in 75 Sunday Telegraph article that fell into obscurity. Details of how the photo was taken were published in the 1999 book Nessie the Surgeon's Photograph Exposed, which contains a mm, facsimile, I think. Couldn't tell you. Of the 1975 Sunday Telegraph article. The creature was reportedly a toy submarine built by Christian Sperling, the son-in-law of Marmaduke Wetherill. Wetherill had been publicly ridiculed by his employer, the Daily Mail, after he found Nessie's footprints that turned out to be a hoax. To get revenge on the mail, Wetherill uh, perpetrated this hoax with co-conspirators Sperling, a sculpture specialist, uh, Ian Wetherill, his son, who bought the material for the fake, and Maurice Chambers, an insurance agent. So it actually was a submarine. Wow. The toy submarine was bought from F.W. Woolworths, and its head and neck were made from wood putty. After testing it in a local pond, the group went to Loch Ness, where Ian Wetherill took the photos near the um, uh, Altsai Tea House. Hmm. When they heard a water bailiff approaching. Not a water bailiff. Oh, God. Jeez, it. it's a water bailiff. Jeez, it. it's the fuzz. <laughs> Duke Wetherill sank the model with his foot, and it presumably still is somewhere in the lock. Oh, wow. Chambers gave the photographic plates to Wilson, a friend of his who en- uh, enjoyed a good practical joke. Wilson brought the plates to Augustins, a Inverness chemist, and gave them to George Morrison for development. It was a lot of changing hands. He sold the first photo to the Daily Mail, who then announced that the monster had been photographed. Little is known of the second photo is often ignored by researchers who believe its quality too poor and its differences from the first photo too great to warrant analysis. Hmm. It shows a head similar to the first photo with a more turbulent wave pattern and possibly taken at a different time and location in the lock. Some believe it to be an earlier cruder attempt at a hoax and others consider it a picture of a diving bird or otter that Wilson mistook for a monster. According to Morrison, when the plates were developed, Wilson was uninterested in the second photo. He allowed Morrison to keep the negative, and the photo was rediscovered years later. When asked about the second photo by the uh, the Ness Information Service newsletter, Sperling was vague. Thought it might have been a piece of wood they were trying to they were trying out as a monster, but was not sure. There are a lot of sightings. Um, <laughs> there's a, a Muppet thing. There's videos, sonar imaging. Um, the sonar imaging one, uh, on August 24th of 2011, Loch Ness boat captain Marcus Atkinson photographed a sonar image of a 1.5 meter wide or 4.9 foot unidentified object that seemed to follow his boat for two minutes at a depth of 23 meters or 75 feet and ruled out the possibility of a small fish or seal. In April 2012, a scientist from the National Oceanography Center said that the image is a bloom of algae and zooplankton. Those dang frickin' zooplanktons. Plankton at it again. Always at it. Apple Maps. 
on April 19th of 2014, it was reported that a satellite image on Apple Maps showed what appeared to be a large creature, thought by some to be the Loch Ness Monster, just below the surface of Loch Ness at the loch's far north. The image appeared about 30 meters, 98 feet long. Possible explanations were the wake of a boat, with the boat itself lost in image stitching or low contrast. Mm -hmm. Seal caused ripples or floating wood. Saw that. And then Google Street View, which happened in 2015. Google commemorated the 81st uh, anniversary of the surgeon's photograph with a Google Doodle and added a new feature to Google Street View, which users can explore the lock above and below the water. Google reportedly spent a week at Loch Ness collecting imagery with a Street View tracker camera, attaching it to a boat to photograph above the surface and collaborating with members of the uh, Catlin Sea View survey to photograph underwater. There's a cool thing. Let me see if I could maybe pull it up here. If you go to... Um Google Maps, mm-hmm. and you search up Loch Ness, yeah. or if you're in the area of Scotland, and you go towards Loch Ness, you can see that the Street View guy, Street View guy, down here, yeah. turns into Nessie. Aww. So if you're in the area of Loch Ness, and you zoom in, the Street View man at the bottom right will turn into Nessie. And if you click on Nessie to show the available Street View. Uh, roads, the entire perimeter of Loch Ness is viewable on Street View. And I was actually looking around at some of these. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was um, an area um, of the lock where you can go through multiple photos of Street View. Uh-huh. And it looks like Google may have photoshopped what appeared to be like a Nessie head in the water. Uh-huh. Um, I would need to find that again, but yeah, they made it look like there was a Loch Ness monster in the water. Pretty sure. Anyways, uh, a number of explanations have been suggested to account for sightings of the creature. According to Ronald Bins, a former member of the Loch Ness phenomena investigation bureau, say that two times fast. There is probably no single explanation of the monster. Uh, Bins wrote two skeptical books, the 83, the Loch Ness mystery solved and his 2017, the Loch Ness mystery reloaded. In these, he contends that an aspect of human psychology is the ability of the eye to see what it wants and expects to see. They may be categorized in misidentifications as uh, of known animals, misidentifications of inanimate objects or effects, reinterpretations of Scottish folklore, hoaxes, and exotic species of large animals. A reviewer wrote that Binns had evolved into the author of the definitive skeptical book on the subject. Bins does not call those sightings a hoax, but a myth in the true sense of the term, and states that the monster is a sociological phenomena. After 1983, the search for the possibility that there just might be continues to, thr- to enthrall a small number for whom eyewitness evidence outweighs all other considerations. Mm-hmm. Misidentifications for known animals would be bird wakes, uh, eels, an elephant which the elephant is from a 1979 article. California biologist Dennis Power and geographer Donald Johnson claimed that the surgeon's photograph was at the top of the head, extended trunk, and flared nostrils of a swimming elephant, photographed elsewhere and claimed to be from Loch Ness. Definitely was an elephant. (laughs) In 2006, paleontologist and artist Neil Clark suggested that traveling circuses might have allowed elephants to bathe in the loch. Uh The trunk could be the perceived head and neck, with the head and back the perceived humps. In support of this, Clark provided a painting. Hmm. 
Another option is the Greenland shark, uh, Wells catfish, animals that are known to inhabit the area, trees, uh, wakes, optical effects, seismic gas, and then uh, some other people claim that it's a Kelpie. Oh. But that's just going into other folklore. Right. That's it, though. Oh. There's more, like, how it goes, like, how it could be a plesiosaur, but I don't believe that it could be a plesiosaur. So. Definitely not. Nah. So, my section is a little weird. I knew you'd have a lot more information in your section, like descriptions, sightings, stories, explanations, stuff like that. Uh, so, I gathered up a few things I wanted to read through. The first is an account and summary of Robert Rines's studies. Uh-huh. Robert Harvey Rines, born August 30th, 1922, died November 1st, 2009, was an American lawyer, inventor, musician, and composer. He's perhaps best known for his efforts to find and identify the Loch Ness Monster. He has studies in 1972, 1975, 2001, and 2008, and I'll briefly go over some of those. Lay them on me, buddy. In 1972, a group of researchers from the Academy of Applied Science, led by Robert H. Rines, conducted a search for the monster involving sonar examinations of the lock depths for unusual activity. A submersible camera with a floodlight was deployed to record images below the surface. If Rines detected anything on the sonar, he turned the light on and took pictures. On August 8, Rines' sonar unit, anchored at a depth of 36 feet, identified a moving target, or targets, Estimated by echo strength at 20 to 30 feet in length. Specialist from Raytheon, which uh, was a major U.S. defense contractor and core manufacturer in weapons and military and commercial electronics, examined the data and suggested that it indicated a 10-foot protuberance projecting from one of the echoes. According to author Roy Mackle, the shape was a highly flexible, laterally flattened tail or the misinterpreted return from two animals swimming together. Hmm. Concurrent with the sonar readings, the floodlit camera obtained a pair of underwater photographs. Both depicted what appeared to be a rhomboid flipper. Although skeptics have dismissed the images as depicting the bottom of the lock, air bubbles, a rock, or a fish fin. Can I say, I've never really feared the Loch Ness Monster. It's never been something that I'm scared of. Yeah. Well, we've kind of uh, blurred the lines between things that people fear and just supernatural cryptids. It's true. We've kind of just been all over the place. Yeah, we kind of talk about it all. Sorry. I guess it's not very fearful. It's okay. I I mean, mean, I guess someone could be scared. Yeah, I'm sure there's someone out there that's afraid of it. I'm going to look it up. There's probably like a phobia of like the Loch Ness Monster. Or maybe kids that live near the lock. That's true. It could be like a child's thing. Yeah, like a folklore tale, you know. Um, I didn't see anything like that, but continue on. The apparent flipper was photographed in different positions, indicating movement. Thanks to the miracle that is the Wayback Machine on the internet, I have a photo. Oh, do you? It just kind of looks like water. Okay. I mean, I can see it kind of looks like a fin. Oh, yeah. Like a flipper or something, but uh, it kind of looks like water and bubbles and stuff. But uh, I don't know. British naturalist Peter Scott announced in 1975 on the basis of the photographs that the creature's scientific name would be Nesoteras rhomboteryx. Mm-hmm. That's why I did not say it. Greek for Ness inhabitant with diamond-shaped fin. Uh-huh. 
Scott intended that the name would enable the creature to be added to the British Register of Protected Wildlife. Scottish politician Nicholas Fairbairn called the name an anagram for, quote, Monster Hoax by Sir Peter S. Monster Hoax. However, Rhines countered that when rearranged, the letters could also spell, yes, both picks are monsters, are. Bro, what? <laughs> yes, both picks are monsters, are. Get them. Another sonar contact was made, this time with two objects estimated to be about 30 feet. The strobe camera photographed two large object, objects surrounded by a flurry of bubbles. Some interpreted the objects as two plesiosaur-like animals. Plesiosaur. Suggesting several large animals living in Loch Ness uh, instead of just one. Yes. This photograph has rarely been published. Um, there is uh, a source that I found. It's a PDF called Technology Review. Okay. Search for the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. And this has several different photos, including the one that I showed you. Yes. Um, the, the proposed fin. Right. Of different uh, alleged photographs of the Loch Ness Monster. And a lot of a lot of science in here. A lot of Look words. Look at all that science. There's a lot of words in this PDF. Um, so the... Look at all those chickens. <laughs> the source... Uh, this was the source for multiple of those gotcha. claims. So I'll include this PDF on our website as well, so you can look through it if you so please. If you would so like to do. A second search was conducted by Rhines in 1975. Some of the photographs, despite their obviously murky quality and lack of concurrent sonar readings, did indeed seem to show unknown animals in various positions and lightings. Hmm. One photograph appeared to show the head, neck, and upper torso of a plesiosaur... I'm going to keep saying plesiosaur. Plesiosaur. Like animal. But skeptics argue the object is a log due to the lump on its chest my area. Ch my neck, my back, mm -hmm. the lumps that I have attached. <laughs> the mass of sediment in the full photo and the object's log-like skin texture. Skin. Another photograph seemed to depict a horned gargoyle head. Consistent with that of some sightings of the monster, however, skeptics point out that a tree stump was later filmed during Operation Deep Scan in 1987, which bore a striking resemblance to the gargoyle head. Operation Deep Scan. In 2001, Rhines' Academy of Applied Science videotaped a V-shaped wake traversing still water on a calm day. I think you talked about this. I did. The Academy also videotaped an object on the floor of the lock resembling a carcass. Carcass. And found marine clamshells in a fungus-like organism organism not normally found in freshwater locks, a hmm. suggested connection to the sea, and a possible entry for the creature. Interesting. In 2008, Rhines theorized that the creature may have become extinct, citing the lack of significant sonar readings and a decline in eyewitness accounts. He undertook a final expe expedition using sonar and an underwater camera in an attempt to find a carcass. Rhines believe that the animals may have failed to adapt to temperature changes resulting from global warming. That's all I have on Rhines's yeah. uh, studies. I do have two uh, random articles that I found Lay mommy. that were pretty cool. The first one is by uh, CNN. It's called Loch Ness Monster Might Be Giant Eel, scientists say, by Emily Dixon, CNN, September 6, uh, 2019. Well, that's recent. The most famous photo of the Loch Ness Monster has long... And I don't even know if I can be reading full articles on, on the show without running into issues with copyright, but I'm going to do it anyway. The most famous I photo have done it multiple times. of the Loch Ness Monster has long been discredited 
as a hoax, but scientists have come up with a new explanation for other sightings of the elusive beast. It could just be a giant eel. A team of researchers used DNA samples taken uh, from the lake in Scotland where Nessie is believed to dwell and concluded that a more familiar creature was behind the legend. My question is how big can a giant eel truly get? That's a good question. I would look that up. Biggest known eel. That's spelled Earl. Biggest known Earl. Biggest known Earl. The European conger. Five feet. That's not very big. Maximum known length of seven feet. And possibly up to 9.8 feet. Uh, still, the Loch Ness Monster would be bigger. And maximum weight is uh, about 159 pounds. It's not very uh, big. And moray eels can be longer than them. They're just known to be bigger because of how much more weight they have. I was expecting, like, monster eels. Me too. You know, we have pretty large animals in the sea. Moray eels are freaking nasty. Have you seen how big they can open their goddamn mouths? I think so. Look at that. Oh. Shit's ridiculous. There are large amounts of eel DNA in Loch Ness. Neil Gemmel, a uh, geneticist from New Zealand's University of Otago, said on Thursday. Scientists began the study of the lake's biodiversity in June 2018, taking 250 samples of water from various locations and depths to identify its inhabitants. They found about 3,000 distinct species, Gemmel told a press conference at the Loch Ness Center in uh, Drumnadroichit, Scotland. Drumnadroichit. Most of those are so small you'll never see them, he said. <laughs> Gemmel said that while the study's primary focus was the lake's biodiversity, a Loch Ness monster sighting would have been a bonus. Although the discredited 1934 photo was later said to be a toy submarine with a model head and neck attached, various theories over the years have suggested the monster could actually be a dragon, a marine dinosaur, or just a really big catfish. Just a big old catfish! The new data suggested some of the more outlandish theories about Nessie could be ruled out. Quote, is there a plesiosaur in Loch Ness? No. There is absolutely no evidence of any reptilian sequences in our samples. Well, fuck that. So I think we can be fairly sure that there's probably not a giant scaly reptile swimming around in Loch Ness. As far as you know, bitch. The geneticist also said that the catfish, uh, catfish theory offered by Nessie hunter Steve Feltham in 2018 was unlikely to be the answer. There may be giant catfish in Loch Ness, but we didn't detect any of them, he said. Mm. The eel theory, however, remains plausible thanks to the significant amount of eel DNA. However, Gemmel added, we don't know if the eel DNA we are detecting is gigantic from yeah. a gigantic eel or just many small eels. These normally grow to about four to six feet in length, and some people are saying they are observing organisms that are much, much larger than that. Find Never that sus. A little sus. Nevertheless, there might be hope for the Nessie believers. As Gemmel pointed out, a lack of evidence is not necessarily evidence of absence. There may Ooh. well be a monster in Loch Ness, he said. We didn't find it. There may very well be a monster among us. That was dramatic. I liked that. And then... We didn't find it. Third article, or my last article, is called The Day After Storming Area 51, There's oh. a Plan to Storm Loch Ness. Is that from the, the Facebook thing? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I really wish By that had happened. By CNN Wire, July 23rd, 2019. I really wish that had fucking happened. They did storm Area 51. Well, No, like got in. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm saying. It was a bunch, of, a bunch of people doing the Naruto yeah, run. Yeah, the Naruto run. <laughs> 
Inspired, Look out! <laughs> inspired by the mock plan of Storm Area 51, Scotland now has an event scheduled to definitively prove the existence of its own elusive creature, the Loch Ness Monster. On Facebook, at least 21,000 people have RSVP'd to an event called Storm Loch Ness. Nessie can't hide from us all. Oh my god, what are they going to do? I'll wade into the water. <laughs> Though Loch Ness doesn't share the same top secret allure that the potentially alien-stocked Area 51 holds, people have long believed something unknown lurks in the lock. Now, Nessie truth seekers can come together and mass September 21 to, as the event description says, find that big boy. Oh my god, yay. There's really no need to storm Loch Ness, given that it's open to the public 24-7, 365 nope, okay. days a year. We gotta storm it. Gammon McDonald, same person, a spokeswoman for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, told CNN. Actually, I don't know if it's the same person. We gotta storm it. Except the same name. However, any Loch Ness navigator should take appropriate precautions when searching for uh, for the sea creature of lore, according to McDonald. The Loch Ness is one of the largest bodies of water in the British Isles, at 22 miles in length and more than 750 feet deep. That ain't shit. Plus, with waters at around 43 degrees Fahrenheit and we'll waves fine. up to 13 feet high, any unprepared monster hunter could easily face capsizing, cold water shock, or hypothermia, McDonald said. I would say that that is surprising that the waves get that big. Though she encouraged everyone interested to come to the lock, McDonald cautions visitors to respect the water and whatever dangers potentially lie within. Yeah, respect Nessie. Our team knows the lock incredibly well, but they would never be complacent about it and would say themselves that Loch Ness's real monster is cold water shock, McDonald huh. said. While some have devoted years of their life to researching the mythical creature, others, including many of the event participants, relegate the monster to memes and pop culture references, but the desire to know attracts people worldwide. Oh, yeah. Luckily, for another secluded mythical creature, no Facebook events appeared to have been created to scour the Pacific Northwest for Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, yep. And the last word is yet. Bam! E. Ah, I love that. <laughs> yet e. Love that. Uh, so I wonder how many people actually showed up to uh, Loch Ness that uh, that day. I don't know, man. I hope a lot of people. There's maybe like five five guys. At least six of them. Five, six guys in a boat. Six guys in a boat. That is a porno just waiting to happen. I'm gonna get my pokeball. What did you think of? The beer. The beer. How dare you? Um, How dare you disrespect me on the day of my daughter's wedding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta watch that movie again. Um, <clears throat> the beer was not bad. It uh, unfortunately was my least favorite so far over the last five episodes. Uh, however, that should not say it is a bad beer because it is no. not. Um, like I said, it has its time and place. Uh, it is not an everyday drinking kind of beer. It's, uh, it seems like, uh, to me, more like a special occasion beer. Um, not very bubbly, very malty and sweety, very bready. Um, got a lot of spiciness going on to it. Um, sweetness going on to it. Sippable. Um, just a, a, it's a comfy beer. Yeah. But not something I would drink on the reg. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I'm surprised that I didn't mind it because usually when you yeah. say like barley wine, I'm just like, hey. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was brewed very well. Um, very wide flavor palette. Very wide. Mm. Um, and I'm finishing your glass. Yeah, I told you. 
I wouldn't finish it. It just doesn't. It doesn't really smell like a beer. Yeah, it doesn't. To me, it I, like seriously, I I think the the closest thing I can compare this to is Kvass. And if you ever see Kvass in a store, if you can get your hands on Kvass, taste it and then taste this beer, and they taste very close to each other. It smells like bread. It kind of tastes like bread, like a fermenty bread, alcoholic beverage. And that's kind of what Kvass is, minus the alcohol. Well, Zachary, anything else you want to add so I can go get food? <laughs> so you can leave and get Taco Bell. I'm so hungies. We plug our stuff at uh, the end of every episode, but I'm not going to do it this time. Wild, you know what? I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Caution to the wind. Okay? I'm not going to plug anything. What? Say where we are, where we can be found. What? not going to say what we've been working on with our, with our uh, flights of beer this whole time. Not going to say a word. You if you want to know, if you want to know... <gasps> Listen to another episode oh and go to the end. We'll talk about oh my God, my mind is blown right I now. I ain't including it in this episode. He, he ain't doing Mm-mm. it. I ain't about it. He ain't going to do it. No, I'm going to get some Poke Bros. going to get Poke Bros. And you're going to get Taco Bell. Yeah. And we're going to move on with our lives. He's a strong, independent man. That's right. Who don't need no audience. We do need an audience. Please don't leave us. Please listen to us. Oh, please, baby Jesus. We're so desperate. We're so alone. Bye, our march. Have a good day. <laughs>